Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. Welcome. I'm so excited for today's uh, Brains Magazine podcast. I have the privilege and honor to have Rob Angel with us. Rob is the creator of the best-selling board game Pictionary and also the author of Game Changer. And I also know that Rob loves to speak. He, he loves to go up on stages and share his wealth and his knowledge. Rob, lovely to see you. How are you today? Doing great. How are you doing, Mark? I always say, you know, when I'm good, if I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> I like that. I may steal that from you. You can. In fact, Brian stole something from me and Greg. So it, it, seems, <laughs> it, it definitely seems <laughs> we're in good company. We're in good company. The one thing that I really enjoyed actually about yourself and with Brian and with Greg is Greg I've known for a, quite a while, but Brian was, was obviously somebody new for me and yourself relatively. Rob obviously played Pictionary as a kid. So for me, that was something very familiar. Uh, but in terms of you and having the honor to spend some time with you, uh, it was interesting just looking over some of the things that you've done. And uh, one of the things that I had done was I was also a waiter. So when I found that you came up with this idea of Pictionary uh, waiting tables, I thought, huh, that's so that's so interesting. Now, like you, waitering I did that many moons ago. What what do you feel that you may have learned from that industry, Rob, about maybe service, customer experience, and indeed yourself? Well, yeah. I mean, when you're waiting tables, the ultimate goal is for them to get the food they want and the time they want it. So you're really customer-oriented. And if you've goofed it up on the back end, meaning the steak isn't cooked right or you're late getting it out, you know, that's on you. Mm. So they just don't care how it gets there. So if you're doing a game or any other product, it's – they don't care how it gets it. They just want it to work when they get it. And that was, that taught me, you know, to see that, that smile on their customer's face when they cut into that steak felt good. Yeah. I know that it's taught me a lot about, about service and also picking up on people's body language. Cause when you've got, you know, a room full of people, you need to kind of preempt what their need is before they even ask for it. Yeah. Interesting. I, I find it interesting how how people like yourself and even Brian, he was talking about how, you know, when he was getting UG off the ground, he was still doing a little job on the side, you know, yeah. and how somebody who's gone on to create the most successful selling board game, you know, as a waiter must, must have been incredible, uh, an incredible experience for you. Now, I know that you talked about Pictionary being a positive emotional experience and not just the game. Do you feel like that kind of essence came from working in the industry of hospitality or do you feel like that came through a different, a different channel? It just came from the game. I mean, I didn't really understand that when I was doing it, it was just a fun game. It was something we did. It was an activity and that's what I bottled. That's, you know, I, it was energy playing the game mm -hmm. and I basically scaled that energy. Because, you know, it's like a rock concert. You know, like everything's exciting. And you don't, may not remember the words of the songs, but you remember the feeling. And that's what was going on with Pictionary when I was playing. I said, okay, now, wait a minute. 
if I can bottle this, if I can package this, mm. then I've got something. Uh, so I didn't anticipate. I didn't. I, I saw it when I saw it. I knew it was there. I knew that energy. I knew that excitement. Uh, but I didn't plan on it. Mm. This is something that's really shining through for me. Uh, like I said, I, I've, I've obviously referenced uh, Brian and, and Greg, but there's one thing that you're touching on that they touched on as well. And it's this sense of creating feeling. And, and the beauty of hospitality, for example, it's about creating a theater experience. It's about creating an emotion, which is what you're right. really getting at, at the heart of this game as well. Like, how important do you feel that is in business to create that that feeling? Well, it's everything. Because if there's 47 people selling computers, like Steve Jobs figured out, he wasn't selling a computer. He was, feel, he was selling how you felt about using it, how you made you feel. That's why they were successful. Their computing power wasn't faster than anybody else's. They may have been a little user more user-friendly but it's how you feel. And when you come up with your product or your business, that's what people remember. That's what gets them to come back again and again. So it's all about feeling. It's all about ease of use and feeling. Mm, I think so too. So I just, I'm just fascinated having this chance to kind of explore some of your psyche as well. I think, you know, they say success leaves clues, don't they? So I think it's really important to kind of look at what's going on there. Another thing that I noticed about something within your own DNA, within your own value, I know that you love uh, to talk about the power of not overthinking, you know, and why do you feel, Rob, especially in the business world, that so many of us overthink? And for those that do, what would be some of your wisdom in how to kind of do more and, and think less? Stop it. How is that for brilliance, right? Stop <laughs> overthinking. Yeah, it's, it's the killer. For me personally, I'm speaking from what I know. Because when I start overthinking, getting too much input, I lose my creativity. And I certainly lose, you know, the ability for things to come to me. And, you know, there's so much knowledge these days that you can go online, you talk to your friends, you text, all these things. You can really overanalyze any problem, any situation, any business. Mm. To the point where it becomes debilitating. Mm. So I tend to try lately, or I try to not accept, not encourage all the outside input. It blocks my creativity. And so I put myself, as I call it, in timeout. I'll turn off my, my videos, my TV, my phone, and I'll go for a walk, or I'll just, you know, seriously, I can just sit and do nothing. But it just regenerates and rejuvenates it and gets me out of my own head. Mm. Got to get out of your head because you get in that loop and you go, well, I can do this. I can do it. I can do it. Uh, when I was doing Pictionary, I kept telling myself that and it didn't happen until I took a break. Until I stepped back, until I relaxed, and then everything started flowing. It's all about flow. Mm. Yeah, it is, it is all about flow. Do you find that that, that practice is very intuitive for you, Rob, or is it something that you feel like you've mastered over, over time? I'm still mastering. <laughs> no, it was not intuitive at all. Uh, it, it was something I worked and continue to work on. You know, they tell you to meditate. They, notice I say they, tell you to meditate. To do, I'll tell you what to do as well. But it's a practice. And I don't meditate every day, and I don't do what I'm telling you to do every day. 
but I do it enough where it works out. So don't beat yourself up. That's one of the other things I always tell people is give yourself permission to be okay, to not do something every day. So when you don't meditate every day, when you don't, you aren't your most creative, you can start getting in that head space of getting, oh, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's okay. Mm. You know, tomorrow yes. you'll do it. So give yourself permission to, to fail. Yeah. I, I think that's really important too. You know, I, I've always been a big, big believer that action quietens the mind. Um, I think that's one way to kind of combat the noise. But again, when we do fall off the wagon, as you're alluding to, to, to get back on the horse, because people tend to then just uh, start thinking about, oh, I messed up again. And they get stuck in that and they expend all their energy, you know, rather than getting back up. It's all about where you want to put your energy. It's all about energy. Where do your thoughts go? That's energy. Where does your body go? That's energy. Where do you want to do that? You know, that's rhetorical, but not rhetorical because, mm. you know, when you do it and you can, you're telling yourself, you know, I do it all the time. So believe me, it's not easy, but I tell myself, Oh, get out of that mindset, Rob. You're, you're really in that negative loop. Mm. Uh, it's okay. And then I physically have to change my energy, physically have to change my energy because I'm not strong enough to say, okay, I'm going to stop. Mm. I just, I, I'm just not. So I physically have to remove myself. I physically have to do something. Um, but what you just said, I appreciate that. That gets me out of that. Gets me more excited. Really, that's all it's about, getting excited. Yeah, I think so too. I, I often say manage your energy and not your time. And uh, I think that's really crucial. And for me, I have a big blue chair in my in my bedroom, Rob, which is where I go if I'm really uh, struggling with creativity or needing to reset you talked a little bit about you go for a walk or sometimes you sit. Do you have something equivalent to like my big blue chair? Do you have something like that? I think I'm sitting in it right now. It's a big yellow chair. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got to have a chair, I guess. You know, do. I don't care if it's a pillow or what, but I found it. I'm in a new place in this, this uh, big chair that I'm in. It's, it's quite comfortable. Yeah, it looks comfortable. You've got a nice backdrop as well. Yeah. Um, we talk, I started to mention or ask you about intuition. Now, in business, what do you feel is most important, being logical or following your intuition? Oh, oh, oh. Intuition, period, without question. I mean, you're smiling and you already know the answer to that question. <laughs> well, the smarter you are, the more successful you'll be. Now, I mean, you know, uh, was it Jeff Bezos says, you know, you can get 80% of the information you should make your answer because that last 20 that's your intuition and we all have it right this isn't complicated it's once you start getting too many facts you start losing your creativity you start losing your intuition we all have intuition we know what's right what's wrong it's right here right it's in our gut it's our heart and it overrides logic right that's your intuition if all the logic and all the numbers and everything says X, but you really think and know that you should be doing something else than you do the something else, you know, it's trying to get all that info can be debilitating. So just when you feel that it's right, go for it. And that's what I did with Pictionary, for goodness sakes. Mm -hmm. There was no uh, places to go to find out how to manufacture a game. There was no internet. There was no way to say, well, is this game going to be popular? What is the industry doing these days? It was just you know what, this feels right. I'm going to give this a try. So you've got to go with your intuition. And 
I would say probably 70% of the decisions we made when we were developing Pictionary was all intuition because there was no facts to be found. Hmm. I mean, you've got good evidence there because of what Pictionary became. Could you could you maybe mention something maybe more recently where you followed your gut and it had a kind of a real positive like impact? Yeah, I was, uh, well, kind of like doing one of these. I was doing a talk, a bunch of college kids. And I, I like talking more in the ethereal, you know, this intuition thing. And I started talking about business and I was very, you know, and I just thought, you know, even my, my intuition was telling me this isn't landing. And so I started talking about this kind of thing that I enjoy, got their attention. They were, they were in tune. They appreciated the conversation. So I just followed my gut and a little bit of their faces along. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think what intuition also does, it eliminates things. So it's not always my intuition tells me to go in this direction. Mm. Your intuition can also say, let's not go that direction, at least narrow it down to where you should go. I look at it like a sommelier, right? So they're master of wine. So I did this one. So he can tell you where every glass of wine is from. So I gave him a glass of wine once and he smells it. 90 seconds, he tells me what it is. I was impressed. I go, are you the smartest man in the world? You know, every glass of wine there ever was. He goes, no, how do you do that then? He goes, look, I smell it. It's not a Cabernet. He eliminates the Cabernets. No, nope, not a Syrah. He eliminates the Syrah, the red grape, the old, and he doesn't know what it is, but he knows what it's not. So eventually after elimination, he gets to what it is. And that was brilliant. And that's what your intuition does. And that's what the facts do. Just get rid of the stuff that doesn't work and it'll get you where you're supposed to be. I love that. I love that we're touching on this now because sometimes when it's just, when it's just focused on business, you don't get to the heart of the real essence of the soul of, of a man or the soul of business, you know, and, and I, I really value that, that because for me, this is stuff that needs to be talked about more because like we said at the start, we get stuck in our own heads, which is where logic is. And, you know, you, you keep saying that you want people to experience and it's a feeling, even, even pictionaries about a positive experience and you wanting to have other people experience it. So I'm loving, I'm loving that you're talking about uh, intuition and uh, logic is not intuitive and intuition isn't logical. And I find that quite interesting as well. They have two different frames, don't they? Completely. As does when we're in business. When I started Pictionary, I had the intention of creating this great game. I had the intention of sharing this fun that I was having with the world. I didn't have an expectation of making a million dollars. I didn't have an expectation of selling a bunch of games. And so that's what drove me. It was the intention and that way I wasn't disappointed when I didn't sell that extra game. That's why I wasn't disappointed when I didn't get to that final little thing I was looking for, that extra mm. little goal. Mm. And I think when, when your intention is clear and your motives are clear and the reason why is clear, that's when you have something. That's when you can, you can pivot if you have to. That's when you mm. just keep moving forward mm. rather than I expect to sell this. And if I don't, I'm disappointed. And therefore I'm just, I'm, I'm sad. Mm. Just set your intention of what you're trying to do. Mm. And that's what I ask game inventors all the time. They'll come to me and I'll, I'm not really in the business as much. 
Well, I said, what's your intention for the game? Is it to make money? That's okay. Is it to sell a lot of games? That's okay. Is it to share this with the world? All those are okay, but figure that out mm. first, then move forward mm. if it still makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Did you make a million dollars then from Pictionary? That's, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Uh, well, we sold 38 million games out of my basement. A lot more then. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. We did. We owned it for 17 years. We sold 38 million, over a billion dollars in sales. Yeah, I think we did okay. <laughs> I love that. Interestingly, after this interview on Clubhouse, I'm interviewing a, another guy who's created a game called Purpose. And uh, he doesn't even know that I'm interviewing you today. So it's going to be interesting uh, to find out more about that game. But I, I don't want to get sidetracked by that. But it's just very... You're at Clubhouse just after... I'll, I'll, I'll pop on. Yeah, pop on. It's like, uh, yeah, in 40 minutes, I'm interviewing him. So come on, Rob, and uh, be hilarious to involve you in that. Be brilliant. Now, I know that you sold Picturey in 2001 to Mattel. Do you regret that decision? I mean, making all that money, do you regret it? No, <laughs> it had run its course. I, you know, it was 20 years of my life. Yeah. I did just wake up one day. People think, oh, I've had a great idea. Sold his company, made a bunch of money. No, I ran that thing for 20 years when I came up with the idea till the time I sold it. And it was, uh, it was time. I was, uh, you know, different mindset, a different lifestyle, different life. I was a little older and the time was perfect. The timing was perfect. So no regrets at all. And do you feel that intuition led you to let go? Not at all. I was tired. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love to tell you there was some really ethereal, beautiful, wonderful. No, you know, after 20 years, I was kind of like ready to move on to the next chapter. And uh, there, was a, there was a moment, the licensing agreement for international was available. And it just, the timing said, you know what? I'll tell you what, though. I'll take that back. My intuition said, yeah, get the hell out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's good, though, that you were able to know how you felt and then not get too caught up in the whole emotion and pride of it. Yeah, you, you touched on, you know, it's ego, right? My ego didn't need to be soothed and smoothed over, over that I still own Pictionary. It was like, you know, the time is right. I'm ready to move on. So take my ego out of the decision. And my partners did as well. And it was like, okay, let's sell this. Let's sell the company. And it felt right. And it was a dollars and cents decision as well. So that was kind of one of those yin and yang. That was a balanced decision. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask you about what is it like to sell something that's got so much of your own personal emotion attached to it and mm -hmm. then releasing that. So I, I understand, you know, you were tired and you knew it was the right time to let go and you felt it ran its course. But what was that? What's that like, Rob? I've never sold a business. Yeah. Um, when you involve so much and you've got the memory of, you know, coming up with the idea from when you were a waiter to then selling so many and investing so much. I guess it's like a sports person when they retire, you know, right. you're a long time retired. What is What is that like? It's tough. It's tough. It's it's, I was lost a little bit, to be honest with you. I mean, I'd done this beautiful, wonderful thing and I changed all these lives and Pictionary made a lot of money, but it was that emotion 
to not have that physical and that emotional tie anymore. And it was grounding me and it was such a big part of my life. And so after I sold, I was floundering a little bit. They call it a, a derelict. I was rudderless. Mm. And it took me a little while to find my footing. And everybody, when I sold, said, Rob, you need to do another game. What are you going to invest in? What business are you going to use? Everybody kind of kept putting me in this box. And they wanted me to live their life. They wanted me to live what, how they would have done it. And all this, you know, these people in my head. And so I just, this is that one of those times where I took a time out. And I said, I'm just going to take a little time to see where the universe is going to take me. And it took about a year. And all of a sudden, I found myself gravitating towards nonprofit and mentoring and doing some investing and some traveling and raising my kids and all those things that other people kind of went around. Oh, wow. You can't be happy. You're not building. You're not creating. You're not making something new. I was very happy. I was very happy. It nourished my soul. Mm. For about 15 years, that's what I did. I didn't feel the need to, to do what everybody else told me I should be doing. And it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Mm. But at first, it was hard. You know, they say that all of a sudden you made all this money, you've got all these options. I know this sounds weird, and I know nobody will believe it, or unless you've been there. It was also very difficult to have a, all the options in the world because I was, I was, passionate about Pictionary, mm. not about the game business. Mm. So it wasn't like this overriding need to develop another game. So yeah. it took a little while, but it ultimately was fantastic. So no, no sour grapes, by the way. I want nobody you know, holding a bake sale for me. It was brilliant. So I had a, it was a marvelous time of life. Yeah, I get that. Oh, there's so much in there. Like, I guess a lot of it is around identity. That's why it's a little intricate and delicate, you know, because when something, you've been doing something, you've been invested for 20 years in something to then all of a sudden stop. You know, I think that identity is probably where it takes a little bit of little bit of time. Would you say, Rob, would you say that's kind of true? Oh, of course. And I think we all go through it many times in our life. Yeah. It's a mindset, right? This isn't rocket science well <laughs> became rocket science but we all go through that and when we go through that then my next identity was oh my gosh now my kids are out of the house and my family uh, the nonprofit is shut down and all crime i got a, another identity mm. now what do i gotta do what am i going to do with myself mm. so we go through it many times in our lives mm. and the more we can acknowledge it realize it and take action and take steps to figure out what's next, to find out what our identity is, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's, you need to do that. And it all just builds in itself too. It's not independent. Mm. There's no, okay, today I'm going to be a fireman. Today I'm going to be that, right? It's what have I done? Who am I? How do I feel? What is my essence? Okay. Where do I take that next? Mm. And that's okay. Mm. Right. Your core, your core values don't change. Mm. Your core values don't change. It's how you choose to let them out. It's how you choose to acknowledge them and then mold them into what's next. Mm. Isn't it funny how people always like almost put an expectation, like people saying, you know, oh, Robbie, you're going to make the next game. And, you know, when you get married, people always say, when are you going to have a kid? Or, or when you have a kid, then they then say, you know, when are you going to have the next one? <laughs> right, right. You know, right. we're having to deal with that. Oh, yeah. 
whether it's you sell your business as actually as you say getting married everybody has their own expectations right and this is where it gets tough this is where you got to drown out the noise because i uh, just saw a quote steve jobs says uh you only get one life why live somebody else's mm -hmm. that's true yeah. we're always trying myself included yeah. to live up to other people's expectations just part of life yeah right but awareness yeah. is half the battle. When you're aware, exactly as you said, somebody's saying, you know, now that you're married, when are you going to have a kid? <laughs> None of your effing business. It's like, it's like when I'm ready to have a kid. So, yeah, so do the best you can. And everything is nibbles, I call it. Yeah. Everything is nibbling. You're going to get asked the same question 14 times, whatever that question is about your life. And you may answer it 14 different ways. Mm. That's okay. Mm. You're taking little bites of it, and mm. those little bites add up to something great. Mm. So just keep plugging away at it. Mm. Uh, like I've been on this spiritual journey for the last eight years, and I haven't gone all in. And everybody says, "Well, you've got to do this." And I, no, I don't. I go little bits at a time, and it all starting to add up to something wonderful. Mm. So don't beat yourself up over not getting the answers right away. Mm. Don't beat yourself up over saying, I goofed again. Mm. Just go, oh, okay, I goofed again. Mm. I won't next time. Mm. Just a little bit more every time, and it adds up. Yeah, you were talking about values, which I think if you don't negate and move away from your values, I think it will stop you from being broken. I think it has to be your okay. truth, isn't it? You've got to be your truth. 1,000%, yeah. because that's your, that's your base. Yeah. For me, it's integrity. Yeah. Being a man of your word, people I deal with. So it, it, for me, that's everything. If I can't trust you, then I can't do business with you. I can't be with you. And the quick example was when Pictionary became very successful in Seattle early on after about 14 months. And we had to license, which basically means somebody else had to do the manufacturing because we just couldn't afford production. Mm. And so they would do manufacturing and give us a royalty. Now, I'm 20, about 26 years old by now, 27. I'm making $500 a month. And I'm driving a 10-year-old car and living in a crappy little apartment. And Mattel, excuse me, Milton Bradley, the biggest game company in the world, comes to us. And they say, we want to license your product. Fabulous. Here's all we're going to do for you in these conversations, including they weren't going to touch the packaging because or the rules without our approval, because the essence of the game, the integrity of the game was the most important thing. So we, we couldn't let somebody else mess with it. Mm. So we got, okay, contract comes. I'm looking at it. First thing I see is royalty rate. This is awesome. Biggest royalty rate they've ever given an independent game company ever. I'm like, I'm buying cars. I, I don't even like cars. I'm buying cars. I'm buying second homes. It's like going to Costco. You buy a bunch of stuff you don't even know you need. I didn't know. I didn't even know about this stuff. I've got key. Boom. Get to the bottom of the contract. All the other stuff, except they didn't put in writing. They wouldn't touch the packaging without our approval. Now, again, it's because of the integrity of the game, not just because of the, the packaging. We need that, we said. Can't do it. We need that. They wouldn't put it in writing. So here I am looking at a contract where I'm going to make millions of dollars. I didn't sign it. 
We didn't have a plan B. It's like Brad Pitt. He's got this plan B uh, production company for him. <laughs> he gets Oscars. Me, I'm going back to slinging hash at the diner, right? <laughs> it's like, but I still didn't sign it because the integrity, they weren't men of the words. Mm. So I said, I'm not going to do it. I was willing to go back to the diner and give up my integrity, to give up what I knew, what I felt I had to have. So it's that integrity. It's that, that core value that you have will run your life. And that's the beauty of it. Mm. So here I am going, we have no plan B. What do I do? Two months later, word got out. The game was still available. There was a joint venture with Trivial Pursuit salesman, the guy who manufactured, and the guy who organized it all. They formed a joint venture, venture gave us all we wanted and more money. <laughs> Right. And so by holding firm to our values, Love that. we got what we wanted and deserved and deserved and earned. Mm. So hold true on your values. If we never did business with somebody or any company that didn't hold those values and it worked out. Mm. So while it seems like, Oh crap, what have I done in the moment? Trust me. It works out as it should. I love that. I think if people could only listen to five minutes of this podcast, it would be that bit because that was golden. Let's let's talk a little bit before we bring this into land. Um, it, we always it time flies when you're having fun, and uh, uh, it's always the case. Uh, I know that you love to speak, Robin, and, and uh, I would love to know what is it that you feel makes a great speaker, and what is it that you really love about speaking yourself. Uh, I think a great speaker is authentic. They're really just themselves. I, uh, every time I try to do a speech, I just stammer over the words. I, it's like, just be yourself. A great speaker is when the audience, when anybody listening to my voice, if there's any moment where you go, I get it. I understand that guy. That's really it. You may not remember my words, but you can remember how you felt. You remember, and that's what I want to get across. That's all that, right? That yeah, you 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 being so obsessed with how somebody feels, and I really got that from Brian at UG as well. The feeling, the experience of for me, that's something that I think is really important that we all grasp today. That we have to keep putting ourselves in that customer experience within our business, that we can't be so kind of like intoxicated by our own pleasure of how wonderful our business is if it isn't intoxicating uh, and giving the customer or the consumer what it is that they that they really want that that's almost a new dynamic a buddy of mine's a prof at lmu jason and he said the old model was you give them what they need and you make it work and you know you just tell them what they need now it's you think about the customer first it is and it makes sense it's not that complicated really think about the customer first but it's really how it has to be they're not going to remember they're going to remember how they feel yeah you know that yeah and then re re-engineer back which i think is but I, I love it i love the fact that you are so mindful of others that that is a part of the reason why you've achieved the success you have i'm, I'm sure of it sure of it now I know you're the author of Game Changer, so I'd love to just focus a little bit of time here. What is the essence of Game Changer, what, what, Rob? What do you mean, this? Yeah, that one. I love the cover. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. 
really nice. I did about 99 designs, by the way. Yeah, that's, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I've just wrote my third book. They've asked me for some examples of book covers I like, but that one's really nice, Rob. I really like that one. Thank you. Yeah, the, the book is my journey. All the hardships I went over, all the obstacles I overcame, a lot of them were in my head. And the journey of creating Pictionary, taking it from literally my apartment to biggest selling game in the world. And it's just a fun ride. It's a really easy read. It's a real fun ride. A lot of lessons. Uh, just, it's good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've got to read it. I'm going to have to buy one for sure. Because I. On Amazon. You can buy yeah. it on Amazon. Yeah, I'll get it straight on Amazon. I mean, that's the wonder of Amazon is that you can, you can get things like that. What are, what are you up to today then, Rob? Obviously, Pictionary has been a big part of your identity and a lot of people will associate that game with you. Uh, but what, what have you been, what, what's your playground been in the last 12 months? What have you been up to? Well, the book has taken up a very lot, uh, a lot of my time. And I'm actually, I want to, I'm looking at turning the book into a docuseries or drama series uh, or even a movie and possibly even bringing out some old games that I developed years and years ago. So the creative process is what's uh, driving me again. And with the pandemic, I won't even say over, but it's winding, hopefully, hopefully winding down. It's, uh, yeah, the creative process is starting to excite me again. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, yeah, just looking forward to things opening up. I know in the UK, that's very much where, where we're at making progress, but you know, don't like to speculate too much. No, no. My last question for you is if you could meet someone uh, living or dead, who, who would it be and why? Who, who, who really kind of gets under your skin, makes your heartbeat, fascinates you? I'd love to know. Uh, Marcus Aurelius. In the movie Gladiator, he was the king, right? I become a big fan of stoicism. It's a philosophy. It's not a religion. It's a philosophy. And it's really been what's been guiding me a lot lately. And there's a hundred different things to it. But one of them, one of the things that he preaches and talks about is the facts don't change. It's how you react to them is the only thing that matters, right? I went through some production issues. And back then it was, well, the facts don't change. I have to figure out how to make this production issue work. But back then it was like, I really thought that the, the manufacturer was sitting in his, in his office going, how can I mess up Rob today? No, he wasn't. Really, he wasn't. So Marcus really is in this stoicism is it's all about you. It's how you think, how you feel, how you're reacting. And I'd love to sit and talk to him about how he developed that and just get a whole pep talk. And what a great movie. It's in my top five as well, Rob, Gladiator. Yeah. It's a great movie. You know, I think the most famous quote in that, though, is what you do on Earth will echo in eternity. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like that. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And you're touching on the reframe. I think how we frame things in our mind. You know, I know even for my own journey, you know, when I've misinterpreted uh, something and I've taken it personally and it's triggered my self-critic, you know, how, how to pause and not always take ownership, you know, and actually, like you said, look at the facts. And like you said, they're not thinking, you know, of trying to screw you over. Right. 
Yeah, it's harder said than done. Mm. I mean, we're sitting here talking about, oh yeah, you should be able to do it every day. Well, probably not, but it's a practice. It's a practice, it's a practice. And you try not to react. Don't knee jerk is what we do. Instead of stopping even for a second, right? It saves you a lot, <laughs> saves me, saves us all a lot of aggravation. It definitely does. Right then, so before we bring this into land, is there anything that you want to say that we haven't captured yet? And do let us know where people can find out more about you, Rob, and also your book. You mentioned Amazon, but anything else that you wanted to say, uh, feel free. Uh, yeah, the book's on Amazon. You can follow me on social media, uh, The Rob Angel, on all the, all the ones you're supposed to. Yeah, I think, that, I think one of the things I always talk about is uh, there's, you're never lost because there's no one way to succeed. There's no one way to get to where you're going. There's no one way, there's no one role model to follow because we all get there wherever there is when we're supposed to uh, and how we're supposed to. So don't follow everybody else's example, follow your own example. And that came from a friend of mine was, we're having lunch, she's like 20 minutes late. And she sits down and she's, oh my God, Rob, I'm so sorry, I'm so late. I said, no, no, you're not late. You didn't get lost, you're here now. You just took a different way to get there, that's all. So you're gonna take your own path to wherever you're supposed to be. Give yourself a break, take some deep breaths and enjoy the journey. That's beautiful. I'm a bit of, stick I'm a bit of a stickler for time, I must admit, but if I'm in a good mood, I'll always say, my mom waited nine months for me. I can wait 10 minutes for you. <laughs> exactly. And I had a nice glass of wine while I was waiting, so it all worked out beautifully, right? Exactly. Rob, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Good luck, everybody. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.